Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's 30 with Murdy with your host, Sweeney Murdy. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a special edition of 30 with Murdy. We learned a few days ago that Aaron Boone is the new manager of the New York Yankees. Obviously, there's still a lot more to come with Boone, including his introductory press conference and Many, many media opportunities between now and opening day. But for those of you who may have missed it, I did have a chance to sit down with Boone in April of 2016 for a lengthy chat about his life and career in baseball, which is to say his life, since it's been spent almost entirely around baseball as part of a three-generation family of all-stars. In this conversation, which was recorded in the Comerica Park press box in Detroit early in the 2016 season, Aaron and I talk about his early memories of growing up in baseball. One of the powerhouse teams in baseball in the late 70s and early 80s was the Philadelphia Phillies, and Bob Boone was an all-star catcher there. His sons, Brett and Aaron, had their run of the place. Aaron tells me here he remembers riding his big wheel around the clubhouse as a four-year-old. Because the Adam LaRoche situation, where LaRoche's son's presence in the White White Sox clubhouse created a national stir, that was an issue at the time. Well, Boone gave his unique take on that matter uh, in this conversation as well. Sean Casey, a former Reds teammate of Aaron's and now an analyst at MLB Network, told me last month, Aaron Boone was born to be in baseball, and that is almost literally true. Aaron and I get into his roots in the game from his grandfather, Ray Boone, who starred with Cleveland and Detroit, as well as his dad and his brother. Boone mentioned last month after interviewing for the Yankees job that he knows never having managed or coached anywhere before will go on the negative side of his ledger, but he tells me here all about growing up in baseball, which he also said last month would be on the plus side for him. And then, of course, we talk about his most famous moment on the field, the home run against Boston, and different aspects of that pennant-winning hit in 2003. Yankee fans have seen replays of that constantly for almost 15 years now, while Boone told me that he has no vivid memories of that moment. It's all very blurry. An interesting look back on the memorable moment from the man who hit it. You'll also hear Boone describe the sensation of his knee blowing out in January 2004, a feeling that Boone said makes my skin crawl a little bit. That's the injury that ended his brief stay in pinstripes, and now he's back for what the Yankees hope is a long and successful run as manager of a team that will be looking to Boone to lead them back to the World Series for the first time since 2009. Here's my conversation recorded about 20 months ago with Aaron Boone. What do you remember about the first baseball game you ever went to? And it might be tricky, I'm assuming, because you probably went to a lot when you were young and don't remember very many following your dad. Yeah, I don't remember the first game, but I remember as a kid uh, going to Phillies games, and our best friends were the Luzinskis, and so Ryan and I were around the same age, and we would. I remember going to Veterans Stadium, and when we go in the main entrance, wherever we'd get our tickets and stuff, Ryan and I would always run up this pillar on in veteran stadium we used to run around and and then running down through the hallways and the tunnels and stuff 
and I always remember walking through when I was walking into the stands through the the paramedic um, and the nurse's office at Veterans <laughs> Stadium and seeing different people maybe with injuries and it always stuck out to me and that's what I remember about my early Philly game memories. You were probably what three, four when you first started going? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you do you think back now? Did you know that your clubhouse experience as a kid were different than everybody else's, or do you just think that's what everybody used to do? I think I knew they were different. Um, you know, I was pretty fortunate with the Phillies. Um, they were really great with kids, and so we got to do a lot of things. You know, I, I mean, when I was four, I remember riding my big wheel around in the, in the clubhouse, and, and then by the time I was six, you know. You know, with Brett, who is four years older than me, we, you know, we want we were at the park every day with our uniforms, able to go shag on the field, hit, just kind of have the run of the mill. Um, I think I was aware that it was a great way to grow up, um, and I was really enjoying it. But looking back, um, I realize how fortunate I was to to really get to grow up in that environment and have a dad that, you know took us to work with him a lot obviously the adam laroche thing became a big subject uh, a little while ago did you ever feel like you were in the way did your dad ever have to reel you back in do you ever remember any instances like that um i was aware um i would like to think more than a normal kid aware of you know who to kind of try and stay away from who to you know, understanding that, you know, this was a place of work and that certain people maybe didn't want you messing with them or bothering with them. So I'd like to think I was keenly aware of those kind of things. And, and you know, my dad would always say, you couldn't come if you didn't know how to act, if you didn't know how to carry yourself, if you didn't know how to disappear at the right moments. And that's a feel thing and something, uh, you know, you got to have. And so I like to think I was aware of of and sensitive to to anyone on the team and and if they wanted me to be messing with them and hanging with them or or not Um, but that was one of the things the requirements I felt like of going to the ballpark with dad was you had to be aware of those things those late 70s early 80s Phillies were full a lot of veteran players were there was there anybody that you knew I'm not I'm not even going near that guy no no with the Phillies I don't remember that at all um Pete Pete Rose used to mess with us a lot but like he loved us you know he and Junior was obviously around but he used to he used to get on us like a like we were a player almost um so that was always fun um you know, I remember a couple guys with the Angels that, you know, I kept my distance from a little bit. Like, I didn't want to bother them too much. But um, for the most part, my experience with players, not even for the most part, I totally was was amazing. And, and players were awesome. So coming from the experience you did, what did you take out of the LaRoche situation? Well, obviously it's complicated. I think Adam, you know, when he signed there, there's no question that, part of the deal was what's your kid policy and that my kids around all the time and and obviously they made that okay they probably got a little more than they bargained for because he was obviously around all the time and by all accounts was one of those kids that knew how to act that that for the most part was beloved in that room by the other players um i think what complicated a little is you got adam who's 36 years old coming off a tough season was injured in spring, shoulder, you know, having shoulder issues. 
my feeling is, and, and I'm speculating here, is that retirement was on the front of his mind every single day. And and then when front office came down with that mandate saying, that was kind of, okay, I'll, I'm going to take my ball and go home then. I'm good, you know. He, he's got a, he's obviously a tremendous family man, has a lot of other things going on outside the game from business interests. He's made a lot of money, although he's walking away from a lot of money. Um, so I think it was just a, a, a choice he made that, but but this was probably just the thing that pushed him over the edge on something that I, I think was on the front of his mind. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like he didn't even want to make it a big deal. It came out after the fact. You know, it sounds like you're right that in that he didn't need a whole lot of pushing to get out of the game. It was just like, okay, listen, it's it's not working. Let's just let's just walk away. It seemed a natural thing for him. But I wonder what what you thought you got out of being in a big league clubhouse. I mean, obviously you had physical ability to play, but being around it all the time, what did you get out of the experience? Um, looking back, I think it was a tremendous advantage. I grew up in the game. I grew up every day in the game, and with that came playing baseball every day, playing catch, hitting, being around the best in the world at doing it. You know, so, you know, you you think about, I think about high school or college football coaches sometimes that talk about my dad was a coach and they were just around all the time. I was just around all the time. So I learned the game from the time I could could think and lived it and breathed it. And, and I think there's no question was a benefit to me in my career in just shaping the player I was. Maybe especially early in your career when you first come up and there's that awe factor. Um, maybe being around it, um, it was a little more normal for me. Do you think that's a big reason why we see so many second and third generation, in your case, third generation big league players? You know, it just—it seems like there's just an extra advantage to being the kid of a former player. Uh, I, I know in other professions, you have second generation doctors and lawyers and things like that, but it just seems like there's something extra, whether it's physical and you know genetically or just the experiences that you're talking about. Is that why we see it so often in the sport? Possibly. You know, I think, you know, maybe more so than in football and basketball where it's more of across the board, more raw athleticism maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously you've got to have a certain athletic gene and, right. and from your parents, but I think um, being around it and living it, I think from an early age when you start developing the skill set necessary to be a major league baseball, because it is still a very skill oriented sport, even you know whether it's hitting, whether it's being a middle infield or whatever. And I think by growing up in that, living that, you know, it's all I knew. Uh, I think was a benefit. When did you know how special your family was overall? I mean, you're part of, you have four big leaguers in your family, and not just any four big leaguers. All four of you played in all-star games, and all four of you were in a World Series. That's pretty special. When did you know that that was, you know, that, that you had a special family history there? Um, you know, I guess when I was in high school, my brother and I are four years apart, and he went to a different high school than I did. Yeah in Orange County in, in, in Southern California. Um, but when, I guess when people, I knew people were always, that was always a conversation or that's so-and-so's kid and my brother was at SC. and So I guess I was always aware of it. I didn't care much about it, frankly. Um, 
you know, I was I played football, basketball, and baseball in high school, and I loved sports, and uh, you know, I was pretty good at them, and uh, you know, I just, you know, I from a competitive side, I wanted to keep climbing the ladder, and whether it was going to college, playing pro ball, playing in the big leagues, that was my mindset. So I was always aware, and I think on some level, certainly proud of my family, but it was never something that I gave much thought to. Uh, certainly growing up. I grew up watching your dad play. I saw you and your brother play in my profession. I don't know a lot about your grandfather, except that he played, what, 14, 15 years in the big leagues. As I said, he made uh, was, was an all-star, played in the World Series, 48 Cleveland Indians first came up. What do you know about him? What do you remember about him? Well, coming back here to Detroit, um, where he had his best years, he led the league in RBIs, I think, in 55 or 56. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing his picture in the clubhouse or around um, Comerica Park here Um, um, so we had a very great relationship with our grandpa and I would say one of the biggest things that I remember from him and and that was you know when you talk about our family is Christmas time Thanksgiving time or whenever grandpa was up watching one of our games the conversation was always baseball and always his era and and you know then when we were playing in young major leaguers and he was still around it was the argument of our era is better than your era and and to get him going and um that was always something that was a lot of fun but um you know certainly there's not a lot of video on gramps playing but we're pretty aware of of the kind of career he had. Those uh, back-in-my-day arguments must have been a blast. Oh, the best. And he grew up, he was a few years younger than Ted Williams growing up in San Diego. Wow. So, I mean, to say they idolized Ted Williams, like my grandpa tells stories about when he was a kid going to Ted Williams junior high and high school games, all the kids in the neighborhood would go watch him. And then my grandpa finished his career in 1960, the same year Ted Williams hit the home run. So my grandpa was... I don't know if he was on deck, but coming up when Ted hit that final home run. So for it to come full circle with a guy that meant so much to him, um, all the Ted Williams stories we've heard throughout the course of time with him, um, pretty neat. That's pretty – I mean, a lot of people grew up with stories about watching Ted Williams on – whether it was on TV or going to Fenway Park. I mean, actually getting those up close, uh, that's baseball history right there. Yeah, yeah, that was was Gramps, man. I mean, a lot of his stories – began and and ended with Ted Williams. I remember hearing at a certain age that your your younger brother Matt was maybe as good as or or better than all of you. Is it true? Well, I, I don't know. He didn't make <laughs> he it. He never played he never but, played in the big leagues. But um he he was more of a late bloomer. Um and being 6 6 years younger than me. You know, we were kind of in pro ball when he was still in high school and Brett was in the big leagues, obviously, when he was still in high school. And I remember as about his junior year, he started to grow and and get a little physical and all of a sudden started hitting for power in high school and something I never did, not even in college. So there was all of a sudden he turned into this prospect kind of overnight, you know, bigger kid, third base, um, and then just – he, he was the one of all of us that ended up not going to high. He was drafted the highest out of high school and ended up not going to college. Um, uh, but eventually, you know, had to have back surgery, but he kind of stalled out in A-ball um, and never made it. But he certainly 
was a third baseman, good power to all fields, more power to me than to the other way. So, um, but you know, sometimes it's a crapshoot, man. You never know who's going to have the skill necessary to keep kind of climbing that ladder. Game catch. Is there pressure on your son to be, you know, next generation? I don't. I don't think so. You know. Um, How old is he? He's. Well, I have a 13, 11 that that are adopted, and I have a 10-year-old son that's my biological son, and then a 6-year-old daughter. So maybe there is a little bit, and I'm sure like it was with me growing up. There's always people that have a certain expectation or are going to like you more or not like you more based on, you know, your family. But, you know, everyone has different things that they grow up with, um, you know, certainly – I hope as a as a dad and my wife and I as parents, um, just provide them with the best platform to to be whatever it is they want to be. Uh, you mentioned power that your brother had, and that you didn't. You there's one home run obviously that everybody remembers you for. How how often can you go without somebody bringing it up? Can you measure it in hours, days, weeks? How 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 long? Well, when I, when I'm in baseball environment, so if I'm at a stadium or or just covering the game it's daily it's yeah. it's it's all the time and um, I'm always amazed at the stories that people have um, tied to the moment you know um, intimate stories personal stories on both sides of the on the aisle you know like mm-hmm. um, that always blows me away um, so you know but there's days obviously where I'm not covering the game where nobody knows who I am where yeah not but when i'm covering the game and people are aware I'm, I'm amazed at how much it is brought up all those memories that people share with you has that blurred your own memory of the event in any way or do you still have vivid images of the, of the night um i don't have vivid memories at all of it it's very blurry to me um and and most of the things i draw upon are are stories people tell me or if you know if if i'm if i see see it I'll watch the video and, and maybe pick out somebody in the crowd or pick out somebody on my team or a Red Sox player to try and watch a different reaction each time. So um, the moment itself is not one of those photographic, clear pictures in my head. It's very fuzzy. What's one thing that you take away that, that always comes back to you about that moment, if, if there's any one thing that is clear to you? Um. I guess running around the bases, my uh, <laughs> my uh, my ha- wrist guard uh-huh. that I always wore, the Velcro came undone, and it's never done that in my career. Yeah. So I remember running around the bases and trying and putting the Velcro, yeah, restrapping yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Um, which For what reason? <laughs> unbelievable that yeah. that was the one swing that um, yeah. knocked off the Velcro. Do you uh, you ever? Talk to Tim Wakefield. I mean, there there's been opportunities. Bobby Thompson and Ralph Branca became great friends. Uh, Mike Torres and Bucky Dent do card shows together. What what's your interactions been like with with Wakefield? Ah, uh, great. Yeah. Um, you know, we never talk about that. Um, <laughs> but still too fresh. Too no, soon. I mean, Tim, may, too maybe, soon. Maybe. Um, you know, I, but um, we're very friendly with each other i've had a lot of great conversations with tim actually over the years him obviously being now in, on the media side of things covering the 
the Red Sox. Um, you know, but I think it's it's as simple as two ex-players that have a respect for each other that kind of um, live the same life or good, that that have some stuff in common. Um, you know, and and I think it's probably a less painful thing to talk about, certainly for him, because. You know, he came back and won a world championship the year, mm-hmm. the next year, and then won another one um, after that. So, um, you know, it's it's two ex players that are friendly with each other that I think have a mutual respect for one another. I know where your brother was when you hit it because I was sitting a couple of booths down from him at Old Yankee Stadium. Where were your father? Where was your father and your grandfather? And and what what happened when you talked to them about it? Um, my, my dad was hunting, was on a hunting trip in Idaho. Wow. So they were in like a little cabin watching the game. Um, my grandpa was, um, was at home. Um, but when I, when I came up and checked my phone, it's probably the only time that I picked it up and the mailbox was full and it was... You know, obviously a different time. We weren't smartphones, but we were still pretty dialed in at that yeah. point. Um, you know, I think just proud, you know, especially, you know, to have that kind of opportunity and that kind of moment in such a storied rivalry um, was certainly certainly special. And, and personally, just having it, not having a good series, to, you know, which is kind of the beauty of baseball is, you know, you got to keep turning that page because there's always a bigger opportunity or an opportunity coming to to help a team. So, um, you know, I think your family, you know, you're just proud when when someone you love, um, you know, has some success. And if I'm not mistaken, you timing was pretty good. I think you lost your grandfather almost exactly a year to the to the day after that, right? Yeah, yeah, that was um, and up up until that point. Um, before he he had, he got sick, um, the last six months in the hospital weren't good. But up until that point, he was, you know, not an old man by any means, and all his faculties. And matter of fact, he one of the great family pictures we have that is you know we cherish is my dad, my grandfather, Brett, and I on the field in Chicago at the All-Star Game in 2003. Brett and I are in uni, and my grandpa and my dad are in photos. And then it was, you know, like you said, shortly after the World Series to where he he got ill. But um, that's one of those those neat family mementos we have. But but I think they were all, you know, very proud of that moment. Uh, And obviously everybody remembers where they were doing. Like I said, they come up to you all the time. The The one takeaway that I have of that is, how loud it was and I remember talking to you about I don't know probably 10 minutes 15 minutes after you hit it you still had trouble putting it into words uh, it was whether it was the environment or, or just how loud or, or, or the magnitude of what just happened um, do, you, do you just remember I mean I guess you, you kind of answered it. it the whole night is kind of a fog for you right it really is um, and a good friend of mine Jim Bowden now in our business and who was my G- longtime GM in Cincinnati he always talks about it, it it's stupid 
and because that's one of the things I said. I, I was at a loss for words yeah. when I was getting interviewed. I'm usually not at a loss for words, <laughs> but they were uh, interviewing me, and I was just, like, stammering and stuttering and just said, this is stupid. And I think, to your point, feeling this environment that I don't remember very well, but the noise and the hysteria and the what it meant emotionally to people at the event um, – it's one of those things I think most people, sports moments, you remember forever. You told me that your interactions with Tim Wakefield are fine, nothing really too weird about him. What, what about when you talk to Alex Rodriguez? Do you ever get into that, like, hey, you know, you're only here because of me type of thing? Uh, no. <laughs> no, we've never gone there. Um, Alex is always very nice to me, very polite. But I don't have a deep relationship with Alex. It's more just, you know, if I saw him on the field – um, we would say hi to each other, and but no, we've never had that conversation. Is your memory of the basketball game and the injury more vivid than the home run? Do you remember? Do you remember something specifically about that? Yeah, yeah, uh, because um, it was painful. Uh, it was violent, um, and I had torn my ACL before in the same knee, and it was very. It wasn't. It was kind of like, what happened there? It almost caught me off guard. Like, when I heard it in the basketball game, and it was a collision with this guy. I I call him Johnny Hustle. (laughs) Um, Right away, it was painful. It was violent. It hurt. I knew something was bad. Um, and, And sometimes, every now and then, like, I'll sit there, and my mind will wander, and I remember that feeling and, and it, it makes my skin crawl a little bit really yeah what about the aftermath of it like it impacted obviously a lot of things yeah. your career the fortunes of the Yankees and a lot of other people does that part kind of sink into you or is it just that painful feeling of what it felt like to you yeah it's more the feeling yeah. um people every now and then as a matter of fact this morning Justin Verlander said I had no idea about the the how true it was that Alex came here right at like mm-hmm. I had no idea the actual story of it all yeah. um, so no I, I don't really it, it honestly doesn't bother me it doesn't it really doesn't anything I don't and I don't give it much thought you mm-hmm. know I kind of I'm I kind of go by things happen for a reason I'm not bitter about anything I'm not I kind of chuckle at it yeah my memories are more of the injury. <laughs> you don't remember sitting in a hospital bed or wherever you are saying, oh, my gosh, what have I done? No, yeah. and, um, and I more laugh at it yeah. and, and, and think, huh, it's kind of true. It's an interesting little tidbit. And, and think of the dominoes that fell. It's interesting to me, but it, it, doesn't, it doesn't resonate with me like as a, wow, like a, this amazing or – I don't give it much thought in that in those terms. It's uh, yeah, I mean, it's something that obviously it impacted, as we said, a lot of different things. Uh, you came back from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you came back from something else too. You had a heart-related issue that uh, that knocked you off for a while. How's how is your health right now? Good, good. Um, uh, my heart's good. I had that surgery in, in at the end of spring training in '09 and was able my final year playing and I was able to make it back and play in, in games in September with the Astros um, 
<clears throat> that was one of those that was really rewarding just because, you know, you get heart surgery, you never know. And um, to be able to come back, I think, um, was was humbling. And I was glad I got to kind of go out and finish my career kind of upright and on my own terms and, and healthy. Um, you know, but that's as of today great you know I get checkups every year every year and a half and then uh my knee uh, you know I've had I've had a lot of knee surgeries I've had two ACLs a microfracture a meniscus all on the same left knee and all that considered you know I'm not real interested in playing a pickup basketball game with you or, or doing things that require a lot of lateral side to side <laughs> hardcore movements but in everyday life and my ability to work out my leg's pretty good. You might be the only guy I can beat now one-on-one, but yeah, <laughs> right. I might have to give it a shot. Free throws. <laughs> you, uh, did, did, you used to play a lot too, right? I mean, that wasn't just one, hey, let me just go out and play, and oh my gosh, this happened. Um, actually, no. I mean, I, I played high school through my senior year. Or, I mean, I played basketball through my senior year in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'd play actually every now and then mm-hmm. uh, in off-seasons. I never would not play. If someone wanted to play, I was I was down. I would play. Um that off season, it was actually the first time, first and only time I played. Obviously, um, I think it was in December when I, December January, January. when it happened. Yeah. Um, it was the first and only time I had wow. played all all uh, all winter long, and it's just a few minutes into the game. How do you like broadcasting? I love it. Um, you know, when I got done playing, I knew I wanted to stay in the game. I knew I wanted to continue to have a job. Um, um, and I considered, I actually almost joined a couple front offices with different teams um, and also knew I maybe wanted to get into this. And, and uh, I thought coming fresh off the field, I should try this route first. And um, ESPN's been great. I love working for them, with them. Um, and it's been a great way for me to continue to stay busy, continue to have a small voice in a game I love to cover the game to be around guys um, and to stay kind of current with the game um, I feel really fortunate to get to do it. We were joking before with your former teammates CC Sabathia how uh, you used to just jabber all during the game while you kind of preparing for this career? You know what I Maybe. And, and honestly, I, when I was playing, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to be a broadcaster someday. Yeah. But I always would be broadcasting and always doing kind of things. And, you know, CC was talking about when I was with Cleveland, if I wasn't playing, guys would always want, want me to, they'd say, do an inning, do an inning play by play. And I'd sit over there and kind of have some fun with it and call the game for an inning. And, and, and guys would usually like it. So, I guess it was a precursor to, to this next life. And you moved it up to the to the national Sunday night telecast. I mean, that's does it feel like that? Is any more pressure there moving up to to that stage? I don't know. Uh, you know, the game's the game, and uh, you know now this is my seventh year doing this. Um, you know, I've done some Sunday nights before. Um, you know, it, there's certainly a lot more that goes into it from a production standpoint. Um, <laughs> um, but for the most part, when you, when the when that first pitch goes, it's it's diving in and trying to analyze and explain to the audience 
from a, hopefully a, a player's perspective of what the heck's going on. One thing I hope that comes across to all of you is how likable a person Boone is. That will certainly help him dealing with the media and in turn delivering information to you, the fans, on a daily basis. But in the end, it's going to be the wins and losses that determine his success in this job. Yankees have a lot riding on these next few years. They're built to be a World Series contender for several more years, and they are one year away from unleashing their spending power again with a lesser restriction by the luxury tax. This is a crucial time for the Yankee franchise, and they have just made Aaron Boone the face and spokesman. Well, a lot more WFAN and WFAN.com as we continue along. Thank you for listening to this special edition of 30 with Murdy. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.